Medical advancements can sometimes prolong life, but they also can result in ethical dilemmas, particularly for those who are responsible for making end-of-life decisions for themselves or a loved one. Does the Bible offer any guidance in these situations? Stay tuned for Dr. David K. Bernard's answer to this important question. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. So medical advances have been sort of a double-edged sword because they've successfully prolonged life, which we're very thankful for. But at the same time, we have seen people who have, you know, science is able to keep them alive, but they've suffered horribly from terminal illnesses, cancers as the, the disease progresses. So in some situations, there's a, there is a practice known as medical aid in dying in which a terminally ill, mentally capable adult who has a prognosis of six months or less to live can request a prescription for medication that can be self-ingested. So it's not prescribed by, or not, uh, not administered by a physician that will uh, cause them to die peacefully in their sleep. This is legal in 10 states here in the United States and the District of Columbia. But then, of course, there's situations where the patient's not mentally capable of making their own health care decisions. So then family members are forced into a tough choice about end-of-life care. What considerations do you feel like should guide a believer in making these types of decisions? Is it biblically acceptable to prematurely shorten your life or a loved one's life, even by only a few days or weeks, even to avoid uh, inevitable suffering? End-of-life decisions can be very complex, and each situation is different. And obviously, in those cases, you'd want to talk to your pastor, and you'd want to talk to the family, you'd want to pray seek God. So let, But let me give you some biblical guidance here. First of all, God is the creator and author of life. Uh, we are stewards of life. He's the giver of life. He gives, he takes away. Genesis 9 says that we are created in the image of God. And therefore, if anyone kills another person, they're destroying God's image and they will suffer judgment from God. Therefore, and that would even include a person wanting to take their own life. So we oppose murder, but we also oppose suicide. And we oppose euthanasia, or that is deliberate killing. And that's done by a physician, where the physician yes. is responsible. But we would... Uh, you know, we would also oppose someone administering it themselves because that would be suicide. That would be taking of life that belongs to God. So when we face these situations, first of all, we trust God. So we pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. But if it's God's time for the person to go, we pray for, for, for God to help us, to accept it, and to help us with the pain, to take away the pain, to minimize the pain, to give us a peaceful transition. So in all these things... First and foremost, uh, let's go to God. And I think the problem with many of these human solutions, they come from an atheistic approach uh, that we're no different than animals and uh, there is no God and we just do whatever we want to do, that we are the primary owners of our own life, which that is contrary to what the Bible teaches us. Uh, our body and our spirit belong to God. So therefore, we should glorify God even in the moment of death, and we should trust God that he's in control 
and that he can guide us, that he can let us pass away peacefully, that he can help us manage the pain, or, and he can, uh, he's the ultimate answer. Now, get, having said that, uh, let's take a look. Um, as you mentioned, modern science, medical technology allows us to pro- prolong life artificially. So if there is a, a, a reasonable chance of survival, we would want to use these extraordinary means temporarily. So we might be on a ventilator. Uh, we might shock a heart back into starting. Uh, we might put people on various machines um, and tubes to sustain life so that they can go through surgery or they can recover and come back to health. And so we do believe that those extraordinary means are, are, are wonderful. We thank God for them. However, the problem comes, what if the person is in the process of dying? If left alone, they would soon die. But even with intervention, they're not going to recover. So if intervention would enable them to recover, then we would likely want to do that. We, we don't want to see someone die unnecessarily. But if they are obviously at the end of life, and they are dying, and a machine would prolong their life for a week but wouldn't change the outcome, um, then I think that's a different case because then you're not choosing life versus death. You're choosing how long to prolong life. Now, I don't think we should ever hasten the process or aid the process, do anything proactive to cause death or advance death. But in those cases, could we say, when the doctor says there's not going to be a recovery, uh, would it be wrong to take away uh, the uh, the uh, you know the, the advanced technology, the machines, and say I want them to go home to die in peace, or I want them to go to a hospice where they have appropriate med- medical care, they have pain management, um, but we're not going to try to keep them alive another day or another week or two weeks when it's not going to change the outcome. So I certainly believe that it would be wrong to hasten death or or inflict death, but it's not wrong to let natural life unfold without intervention when there's no realistic chance of recovery. Now we do believe in miracles, so it's so we can pray for a miracle, but at some point we must seek the will of God and say, if this is the end of the person's life in the plan of God, then it's not wrong for us to accept that reality. And if that means, and and of course, a lot of cases, people fear extreme pain and suffering. And so they say, why not just prolong the life? Why not just end the life like you would with a dog? Um, And the answer there would be, wait a minute, first of all, trust God. But second of all, we do have quite good um, measures to to manage pain. So we should talk to the physician about how do we manage the pain. Uh, now, in that regard, let me just give you a little example. Sometimes morphine is given at the point of death to help with pain, but a lot of use of that could actually advance the death. And the thing I think there is it's down, down to the intention. If you give someone a heavy dose of medication for the purpose of killing them, that's wrong. But if you give them appropriate doses to manage their pain, although recognizing it may dull their uh, abilities, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to manage the pain. The person's going to die either way. So it, it becomes a judgment call, but I think it goes to your intent. Uh, 
if your intent is not to kill the person, but your intent is to manage the pain in a person that's going to inevitably die, then that can be an appropriate medical response. Now, so if a person is capable of understanding, I think they can make the choice based on their doctor's advice to say, I don't want to prolong my life by artificial means. I choose to let God take me when he wants to take me. Therefore, I want to go home or I want to go to a hospice or I want you to unplug all the artificial uh, machines and um, technology, uh, all the things that are artificially prolonging my life. And I want to just put my life in God's hands. I mean, if he wants to do a miracle, well, he can raise me up today. Uh, but if it's my time to go, I'd rather just go naturally. I think that's a reasonable decision. And in fact, I would encourage this. My wife and I have done this. We have what's called a living will, which in essence specifies those very things. So that takes away the agony of decision or loved ones. Because if you're no longer capable of making that decision, your loved one is forced to, but then they can be conflicted. Um and you could have different family members with different opinions, so that can cause contention. There can be a conflict of interest. And so if you've already made your wishes known in a, a legal way, then that ensures that the doctors and your family members can safely choose what, you, what you've just stated. So I highly recommend that. Now, if someone is dying and they're unconscious and they haven't made those kind of choices, then I think the family should talk to the doctors and their pastor and try to reach a consensus. But in, in summary, what I would say, in no case should we choose a method that actively kills a person or that deliberately hastens death but if death is inevitable and recovery is not possible, uh, then there's nothing wrong with letting nature take its course, for example. I mean, throughout Bible days, they had no choice but to do that. So obviously, that wasn't against the will of God. Uh, but uh, I think we can safely choose a natural means of dying. Remembering this, that of course, death is a tragedy. It's a result of sin in the human race. But for Christians, death is not the end. So while we fight to live, and we should, at some point when it's God's time, we should accept that death is just a passage into eternal life. So we, we have a hope beyond this life, and we can take comfort in knowing um, that this death is not final, uh, but we're in the hands of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.